from Australia, broadcasting around the world. Around the world. You're listening to the Mitch Maroney Show. Here's your host, Mitch Maroney. We're members of the Mandra Chamber of Commerce, Peel Chamber yes. of Commerce, I think technically it's called. Yes. We're members there. We go to the events. Like you said, there's both the self-interest side of obviously networking, getting to know people, getting more business, etc. but also the giving back. We are all in this together. Mandra is kind of a weird hybrid of it runs like a small country town but is 80-odd thousand people. So it's very who you know, who knows who, friends, word of mouth is a massive thing here. But, yeah, it's like 80,000 people, so it's, it's a weird hybrid. I think it's great, the Chamber. Like even when like the COVID stuff came out and the different incentives, we spoke to the chamber, uh, the sales. We get on quite well with the general manager that's there at the moment and wrote up some, I suppose, just real easy, this is roughly how JobKeeper works, go talk to your accountant. And they then published it to all their members. So their members get the semi, or well, it's not advice, but the information so that they can go, you know what, I, I think we might be eligible or not or whatever so they can go talk to their accountants. So gives us the giving back and helping. And then also, obviously, we put our logo and stuff on for if they're interested and they want to come to us. So I think that's really good, like giving back. And obviously, we get clients as well. But And going to these events, and like you said, lots of small businesses, you get very isolated, especially when you start. If you're pretty much the business, like when I first started my accounting firm and it was me, I had nobody, like I was literally the only employee, only person in the business. It does get very isolated and you can't so much like, you know, bounce ideas off or is this normal, is this not, like, you know, that sort of stuff. And I I think it's really good to have a network of it, even if they're not in the same industry because, like, you know, say an accounting firm might be having trouble with clients paying. A plumber might have the exact same problem happening and the solution could be something that both can utilize and maybe they need to change the terms or whatever. So there's going to be people in there that have got the same problems you do and it's good to work together because like I've said on prior stuff, we don't know everything. So if we can as a collective work get out, that's going to be a massive benefit and not only to me, if say the debtor thing like we said, if we can figure it out, yeah, that's going to reduce my debtors. But that's also going to reduce the plumber's debtors because I worked it out with him and everybody else in sort of the industry that like we were um, in the network, I suppose. So, yeah, it helps me, but it helps everybody else. So I think that's a really important thing with the chamber side as well. And it can be all the nuts and bolts, you know, a classic one, again, back to the accounting context is if you're in business, like what's a good accounting software package? You can read all the advertising from... Dozens, well, you know, there are, I mean, there are two or three big players, but there's lots of other packs. Well, I don't know which one. But sometimes you talk to people, you know, and chamber events are those perfect forums because how else are you going to meet people? Yeah, yeah, and they all are going to have a software. If they've got a business, yeah. pretty much they're going to have a software. So, exactly, yeah. 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 Oh, this one works for me or that didn't work for me or it's good, but we'll be careful about this. And that's sort of nuts and bolts. And the other one about breaking into communities too. I mean, Canberra, for example, is bigger than Mandra. It's about 400,000 people. Mm-hmm. But it's, I think most parts of the world really are big country towns. Yeah. 
Sydney will even say that, that you know, often the North Shore and, and the South Shore, the, the Shire, the North Shore, the Western Sydney, they're all their own little communities. And we have people come in and they go, I want to do business and I, I, need, you to, I need you to find 50 people for me. And it's kind of like, it doesn't work like that. It's about relationships. Yeah. It's all about transactions. And there are some things that are purely transactional, but most business, you do business with people you trust, people you know, people yep. you feel comfortable with. And so you have to do that. And as you just said, also that hallelujah moment where you go sit there and you go, I am not the only one having this problem. It is not me. Running a business is hard work. You are the jackal Jill of all trades. You are everything from you've got to be on top of the particular technical aspect of whatever the industry is, whether it be accounting, whether it be a plumbing service, whether it be a motor mechanic. But then you've also got to be head of HR, you've got to be head of marketing, you've got to be the person who does the bookkeeping, you've got to be the person that deals with the local council. You've got all of those things as well. Today, for example, that three quarters of all social media campaigns done by small businesses. Guess what? They're written by the owner. Yes. The owner. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's got the time to do it. So all of those things add up tremendously as well. So, yeah. yeah. I always think of like running a business is half the time putting out fires before they get too big and then half the time trying to move ahead because stuff goes wrong all the time. Like where. Yeah. Whether it's HR issues, advertising issues, client issues, whatever, there's always something. So trying to make sure that fire's sorted, everybody's happy and all that whilst moving forward, it's a really delicate balance of the two. And when you have every hat on, like you said, you're the bookkeeper, you're the HR one, you're the specialist, you're, you're everything, it can get quite overwhelming having all those things happen. So, yeah, no, that's really interesting. Now because we're almost out of time, but let's jump on to the Southeast Asia and trade. It is a great market. It is right to the front of our doorstep. Western Australia is especially close in terms of time zones. It's four, five hours at most. Some of them are very rich countries. Singapore has an average income of the same as or slightly higher than Australia's. Some of them are huge markets. Indonesia is almost 300 million people. Say that slowly. 300 million. It's almost as big as Western Europe. It is accelerating quickly up the income scale. It will be our biggest trading partner one day. Forget China, forget India, it will be countries like that. But there are things you need to be aware of. Southeast Asia is still separate cultural communities and there are multiple different ones doing them. There are nuances. You need to spend time. You need to build. As we've just talked about relationships, again, you need to build relationships very much about it. Different countries have very different needs. For example, as I just mentioned before, Singapore is very high-tech, very advanced, wealthy, first-world country. Nations like Malaysia, slightly, ever so slightly bigger than Australia, but um, middle-income countries. And then countries with less income like Indonesia, but moving quickly up the scale. But Indonesia, for example, 16,000 islands, as much as anyone can count them. And wow distinct ethnic groups. They don't all just speak Bahasa, they speak, someone says it's like going to Europe, you know, they all speak their own language. Either most, most of them might speak a smattering of English, but they all speak their own language. You've got to think about that as well. I think it is an area in which our future does lie, and even whether it be professional services, accounting, whether it be nuts and bolts things, I've been drinking Australian milk, buying Australian fruit and vegetables, 
that's all part of what's up there and something we, we really got to secure for ourselves as well. But you do need to think about some of the nuances. I'm not sure how we're going for time in terms of being able to do that. Right, we, we can keep going. I just wanted to make sure we got onto it. So. Yeah. yeah. And there are a couple of things you need to think about. One of the biggest mistakes is to assume that it's a homogenous area. I use the example of Europe because most of us can recognise that how people in Poland live and work and speak and what they eat and what they do is going to be a bit different to what people in Spain do. Yes. Yeah. Language. You put it that way and you kind of put it in context. So, for example, it's like Thailand. Thailand's got a reasonable actual manufacturing industry. Mm. Indonesia doesn't. Malaysia's got a good manufacturing industry. Philippines doesn't. But the Philippines has got almost everyone speaks English as a result of you know, 50 years as an American colony. Almost everyone's got a college education at least there. So there's some huge differences. Then you've got countries like Vietnam. Vietnam's a tremendously entrepreneurial country, very keen to do business with Australia. The war is a long-forgotten thing there, and it's not something that ever gets in the way there. But like Australia, they also geopolitically have the same sort of concerns we do about some of the other countries in the region and actually a fair degree of uh, common interests and security in matters like that as well. There are different symbols and things you don't realise. Someone pointed out to me that it's always better to use a Gmail account rather than an official account in many parts of Asia because in some of those countries with high levels of corruption, you tend to find that if you say anything to do with the government or anything that looks too official, people will run 100 miles from. Yeah, isn't that interesting? Like compared to, say, Australia where if I got an email say, from yourself looking really official and that, I'd go, oh, yeah, cool, this is trustworthy. And then if I just, say, got one out of the blue from a Gmail saying there, who you, yeah. you, I would be like, is it? Like, you know, that's yeah. interesting. Yeah. <laughs> it's a real difference. There are a bit of rivalries too. I mean, you know, it's not just language differences, but Singapore is predominantly Chinese and Malaysia it's next-door neighbour. Those two have a very interesting relationship much more fractious than Australia and New Zealand. Australia and New Zealand are not. They're just two countries that have, could have been one and ended up being two. But, <laughs> you know, Singapore is the country that left Malaysia and when it was formed then Malaysia is mainly ethnic Malays. Someone sort of said to me, Singapore, of course, is mainly ethnic Chinese. Someone said to me that, you know, sometimes Singapore can look to other parts of Asia and look at Singapore as being... Um, you know, the bright young kid in the room who does everything well, but they keep, but we don't need to keep getting told that, you know, we, uh, mm. so there's rivalry there sometimes between them as well. So there are some of those tensions as well. I would encourage people to think about picking one or two countries in there. Malaysia is a country, for example, with a reasonably high level of English spoken in it, but it's not as expensive as doing business as. Singapore. Singapore is great if you've got advanced skills, services, technology, really good market, but it's not cheap. Just like moving to Australia isn't cheap, moving to business yeah. in Singapore isn't cheap. On the converse, if you want to go to Laos or Cambodia or Myanmar, much higher degrees of corruption, you have to be really careful about who you place your trust in and the legal systems works in a fundamentally different way to how it does here. Yep, yep. And even, like you said, with the Philippines, it's really interesting talking to other professional firms and other professionals that have foreign offices. Most are in the Philippines. 
because of their their English level. They're very well educated and they've also got, from a cultural point of view, the work ethic that's there as well. So most, in my experience, talking to others, have them over in the Philippines. Yeah, I remember also, for example, one of the former Australian High Commissioners to Singapore sort of saying that you'd also find very different familiarity with Australia. So, for example, Malaysia and Singapore are both former British colonies. Mm. Just like so common law system, a parliamentary system. Malaysia is actually technically also a federation like Australia is, although dynamics are a little bit different, but it's basically got states. It's got 16 states and territories in a federal parliament. But Singapore's also got quite a lot of links, not only even just in WA, a lot of Singaporeans, for example, over the years been to universities in, in Perth. And up until recently, the biggest Malaysian population in Australia was in Perth. It's now apparently Melbourne. But the current Singaporean High Commissioner to Australia did his degree at Murdoch Uni. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, of course, Australia, Singapore, New Zealand, the United States, Great Britain have defence and intelligence sharing capacities as well and arrangements that we don't have with other countries as yeah. well. There are some options there. You've got to be prepared to invest a bit of time. Fortunately, if you're coming from WA, that's not as big an ask because it's a four-hour trip. It's almost as much time as it takes to get to Sydney. Yeah, yeah. Well, even literally from Perth to Bali, for example, in Indonesia, mm. is closer than Perth to Sydney. It's a three-and-a-half-hour yeah. three flight. So it's crazy how, how it all works. So, but, um, yeah, I do think Indonesia, like you said, they've got a massive population. They're growing. Their infrastructure and everything is getting there, and they're going to be a huge trading partner in the future. So that that'll be really interesting. and especially as other countries which, you know, especially manufacturing are starting to get a little bit more expensive because they have gone up into that sort of middle class level and companies are looking for cheaper alternatives. So they're looking at different countries. You know, I know a few companies looking at manufacturing in Vietnam because it is cheaper than, say, certain parts of China. It's really interesting to see how it all works and even not that get right into it, but how different religions and ethnic groups affect over there, which don't so much here. Like, I think we were saying the other day that, is it Malaysia with the chambers? And they split it up via race, which is almost just an unbelievably foreign thought for Australia. Like, having a white chamber of commerce and an Indian, and a, that's quite foreign to us. But over there, you know, that, that's quite normal. So, It does reinforce the need, Mitch, to spend a bit of time not only thinking about the business opportunities but also understanding the culture. Yeah, yeah. And just because you want to do business with people doesn't mean that they will do it come hell or high water if you're treading across all the cultural toes. You don't need to spend all your time wrapped up in it, but a few things will go a long way. Just as we were talking before about, you know, the Scandinavians love using cashless Transactions, whereas the Americans seem to be deeply wedded to their to their greenbacks, we've got to make sure that we un- understand some of those nuances as well. Like you just yeah. said, ethnicity, status, because they're often much more status conscious countries, regional variations. But that's all kind of really interesting stuff to do. And if you do think, and just before anyone says, says well, Australia is just one market, 
it is. But I'll tell you what, you know, there are still differences between, you know, New South Wales and Victorians and, you know, Queenslanders and Western Australians. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And even on a smaller scale, obviously not as much as through Asia, but there's certain areas in Western Australia where there's a lot of Italians and they'll really only deal with Italians or like a very high Indian population and they will mostly just deal with other Indians. Now, like that's not to say if you had something they wanted and they wouldn't do it, like work with you, they probably would, but they will, you know, tend to stay sort of amongst themselves in in certain areas. I mean, that's obviously very generalised, but yeah. And then even like you said, with over east compared to here, one thing which is like not a big difference, but, you know, the Sydney people talk a lot faster than us Western Australians, (laughs) for example. So I get told I have to talk faster when I talk to them sometimes. It's interesting and we are so far apart, like, yeah, four, four and a half hour flight from Perth to Sydney. Even though we are one country, it's a long way. So they've got different slang sometimes, different, I don't want to say different sort of English, but, you know, there's different things over there that will make sense to, you know, you guys over in Canberra or Sydney or whatever, that here, we're like, what? You know, just and vice versa. Uh, yeah, yeah it's, it's really interesting. As a West Australian over east, of course, you know, I always get bemused, and I guess we probably have to wrap it up in a sec, but um, that we've, I talk to people about, and I use the phrase, eastern status. Yeah. You know, they kind of like, people kind of are quite, what is this concept of an eastern stater, you know? But, you know, if you come from WA, it's like the eastern states. Yeah, exactly. That's just a norm. That's their over east. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you're from Tasmania, it's just called the North Island. The rest yeah. of the <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to touch the Tasmanian jokes on that one. <laughs> okay, I'll just finish off with a couple of questions. A couple of real quick fire questions for you. So if you had one piece of advice that you could give your younger self, what would it be? Be clear on what you want to do and go for it straight away. Beautiful, beautiful. What do you think is the most important quality in business? I think it's a degree of humility. You don't know it all. You can learn from others and humility also implies a degree of respect for others and giving people respect means that there might be one or two people that might walk over you, but the vast bulk of business people are good people and they'll reciprocate that. Yep, yep, no, I agree. Okay, so if you had one superpower, what would it be? Sometimes I think I'd be like to read people's minds. I'm not really sure about that sometimes. I might know if I want the That'll be the one I'll go for at the moment. Yep. Nice, nice. What's your favourite footy team? Oh, that's easy, the Dockers. Yeah, that's good. That, that's the right answer. Yeah. <laughs> it's a potential act, but those of us who uh, who live in hope even after 25 <laughs> years of, you know, them, them playing around, I carry my Dockers mug religiously around from office to office, you know, one day. Yeah, one day, one day we'll get the cup. <laughs> okay, last one. What's your favourite book of all time? It's probably The Lord of the Rings. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Nice. I read that when I was about 13 or 14, uh, well before the movie had come out, and the use of the language, the construction of an alternate universe, but also some of the, the great moral themes of justice, of small people trying to right wrongs, all those things really resonate with me. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's an awesome book, and, I mean, it just shows how strong message it is that it, was written decades and decades ago before 
either of us were probably around. And it still, you know, resonates today and it, it's great. It's a great book. So now actually one last real quick question just for the viewers because I forgot to ask at the start. What's your doctorate in? Ah, it's from Curtin Uni and it's in small business management. Ah, beautiful, beautiful. Uh, yeah, yeah, about, um, yep. Yep, I was going to say, I, I, I introduced yeah. you as Dr. Michael Shaper and then forgot to clarify what your doctorate's in. <laughs> I did, after running the BEC in the Small Business Centre in the Peel region, I eventually ended up at Curtin running the Small Business Program for a couple of years there, and that's when I did it. And at the time I was told, oh, small business, what is this stuff? No, no, don't do that. No, no, I want to do this because I'm passionate about it. I believe in it very much. And I don't regret that ever since. Yep, beautiful. And we're all very thankful for it. (laughs) Cool. Well, thank you very much. It's been a great podcast and I hope to talk again soon. Thank you for all the listeners and um, stay tuned for future podcasts. You've been listening to The Mitch Maroney Show. Mitch Maroney Show. Stay tuned for more.